So, Father, we bless you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us on this journey. And the, the examples that Scripture provides us as we, we consider what it's like to walk with you and to, to be yours and to be called to your heart. So thank you for this day. Thank you for what you have to, to share with us in your word and then as we share with one another as well. So we, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And it has also struck me that um, today is, is kind of another uh, red letter day. It's, it's amazing to me. This is my 24th anniversary as pastor of this church, and I haven't been sent packing yet. So I'm not really sure how that works. But anyway. You're almost through the trial period. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. That's good. So my silver anniversary might be the, and I don't know. Wow. Anyway, 24 years is crazy to me. But oh, that's amazing. Yes, it is. More amazing to me than to anybody else, I'm sure. So anyway, so yeah, we're going on this journey of discipleship, following Jesus, following the commitments that I'm sure he had to make as he made his way through. And so this one is beware of distractions. And uh, so let me read this paragraph and then we'll get into these several verses that I've picked out here. At the outset of Jesus going public, he came to the Jordan to submit to baptism by his cousin John, known as the baptizer. Coming up out of the water, God shouted from the clouds his reverberating blessing, pride in and love for his son, Jesus. Mark, in his gospel account, writes that immediately following that event, the Holy Spirit whisked Jesus away to an uninhabited desert region. In Matthew's account, he records it was to reveal Jesus' strength against the accuser. Mm. It is extraordinary that as a final step in preparedness for the journey ahead, the Father would choose for his beloved Son, in whom he is well-pleased, 40 days of such extreme physical and spiritual testing. Yeah. And so each of the gospel writers, of course, they when they write these things, they write them from their perspective. And I remember in, in uh, one of my New Testament classes, one the professor was pointing out how many times Mark would use the word immediately. And he was always, it was, he was always in a rush to get to the next thing. And Mark's account they think is probably the first one that was written, and it's the shortest. So he was racing to get to the next thing and would skip over things that others would include and, and whatever. But and so he mentions the immediately after bat, the baptism, the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into this uninhabited desert region. Mm. Um, so, but as I, was, I was thinking about that in preparing Jesus for this journey, it's like, wow, what a... What an incredible final step uh, that the Father had chosen for Jesus uh, to, to make sure that he was ready for this journey that was ahead of him. And so, as I consider that one of Jesus' commitments is this one, beware of distractions, I think that one of the things people talk about in a long fast, a long-term fast, more than just one meal or a day or two, but 40 days of fasting really clarifies your brain. It takes, it really does let the brain reset kind of, and everything focuses right down. I'm sure at that point, it would focus in on 
whatever you're going to eat next. I mean, that would be the next thing that would come out. But 40 days here, and not just the physical, but then the spiritual testing because he was tested by Satan, as you'll, you read and, and heard much about. So just wanted to look at four different things, four among many, but four distractions that might be distractions that we would encounter as well. So in the first, let's look at Luke chapter 8. These verses 19 through 21. And so Luke 8, 19 through 21. Mary, Jesus' mother, and her son, her other sons, came to where Jesus was teaching, but they couldn't get through the crowd that had gathered around him. So he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Jesus told them, those who come to listen to me are like my mother and brothers. They're the ones who long to hear and to put God's word into practice. And so one of the first distraction there, the distraction of well-meaning family. <laughs> and there's, there's studies that have been done and evidences that I can't remember exactly, but it's like his brothers didn't really think Jesus was all that, you know, he was their brother. And so it was hard for them to recognize that, that Jesus was more than what they knew just growing up with him. And so the, the point of Mary and, and his brothers coming to this time of teaching wasn't to encourage him, wasn't necessarily hear his teaching, but was to kind of kind of tell him, you need to probably pull your jets just a little bit. So Anyway, his response was, you know, those who come to listen to me are like my mothers and my brothers. They're the ones who long to hear and to put God's word into practice. And the, the second reference there is uh, from John 2. That's the marriage at Cana. And you'll remember um, the timing of this was depending on which gospel account you read, where it actually fits in the timeline. Um, but it's it's early on. Jesus hasn't done any miracle yet that people have seen. And so when Mary comes to Jesus, you'll remember she, they've run out of wine at the wedding. Mm -hmm. and, and so Mary comes to Jesus and she says, can't you do something about this? In other words, I know you have power to do this. I know you could help out here in this kind of way. She was aware of what Jesus had available to him. And Jesus' response was, it is not my time yet. And so there's, a, there's an element of Jesus knowing, if I, if I respond to this and I provide wine, however I'm going to provide, provide wine, it's going to be like, it's going to be evident to everyone that I'm doing miracles. And, and for him, it was not yet time for this. So exactly when this was, it sounds like his disciples were at the wedding. So he's chosen his disciples, but I'm not really sure where the timing is. But he'd not yet apparently done a miracle. And so this idea of how, you know, she was testing him. And then he just said, you don't realize what this is going to mean for me. And then she just turns so with her mother's intuition, I guess, she just turned to the servant and just as she was walking away, she said, do whatever he tells you. And then she moved away from there. And, and the, so that was the point at which um, 
Jesus did decide, all right, I will do this. But there was a there was a hesitation there because he's like he's being pushed to do something that he knows it's like the point of no return. I can't go back and people not know that I've done a miracle. And so he's he hasn't made a big deal of it. It was just done quiet. The servants realized that what they were the water they were dipping into and pouring into the master of ceremonies cup had been water. And as they were pouring it into his cup and they saw that it was wine, I don't know what the reaction of the servants would have been, but I'm sure it was astonishing. But nothing more is said about it. They won't move on. So the first distraction, though, is well-meaning family. So both... Um, the family comes and they, you know, they want to try to make sure that Jesus is going to be okay and he's not teaching crazy stuff or mm-hmm. whatever. And then Mary kind of pushed Jesus out into uh, a step beyond his timing. And so well-meaning family can be a distraction on this journey. He has to be careful what, uh, what he's being called into here. The second one is in Matthew 16. Matthew 16 and verses 21 through 23. From then on, Jesus began to clearly reveal to his disciples that he was destined to go to Jerusalem and suffer injustice from the elders, leading priests, and religious scholars. He also explained that he would be killed and three days later be raised to life again. Peter took him aside to correct him privately. He reprimanded Jesus over and over, saying to him, God forbid, Master, spare yourself. You must never let this happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get out of my way, Satan. You are an offense to me because your thoughts are only filled with man's viewpoints and not with the ways of God. So the second distraction there are overprotective close friends. You know, we're influenced by what? people close to us think and what they say. And so here is Jesus explaining basically this mission that he's been sent on. And we we looked last week at the first commitment Jesus made to complete the mission. And so here is Peter pulling him aside and just saying, don't let this happen to you. No, this, this is not what we see. This is not what we want. So don't let this happen. This isn't supposed to happen to you. But Jesus, knowing all along, yes, it is supposed to happen to me, he turns and has to rebuke him really strongly. And I think his rebuke to Peter is really strong because it really tugs at Jesus, the man. His, like, I don't want, I really don't want to have to suffer this, but he knew he was supposed to. And so the you know, there was almost this strong reaction against what Peter was trying, almost tempting him to do. Like, don't follow through with this. Don't don't do this part. You know, you're not you're not supposed to. Don't don't allow this. And so, because Peter was close to him, it would have been more of a temptation, more of a distraction to listen and go. Maybe second guess. Should I? Maybe I shouldn't really let this. Maybe these guys really need me and. And so from his humanity, that would have been a great temptation. And then he had to just quickly stop and go, no, this is my mission. I'm going to complete this mission. I'm not going to allow myself to be distracted, even if it's people who are speaking to me out of love for me. 
I'm not going to allow that to distract me from what God is really, my father has really called me to do. So distraction of overprotective close friends. And you know, each time I, I look at these distractions, I, I go back to his 40 days in the desert and realize there was a lot that was clarified for him as a man in that time. And when Satan came to tempt him, each of the temptations, we've heard lots of stories and, and sermons about that, but this, each one of the temptations was to get Jesus either to succumb or to overcome with the scripture, what he knew the Father had already spoken, what was necessary for him. And so he had to be quick to... Um, to get back in and recognize, okay, this is what I need to respond to here. And, but I think Satan's temptations, we forget sometimes that Jesus was tempted without sin, but he was tempted. So when Satan is coming and is telling him these things, it's like, you know, the temptation is there. It's like, oh, that would, that would make it so easy. That would avoid so much. That would, you know, and on and on and on. And before that train got too far off the track, he had to come in and go, no, this is what God's word says. You cannot do this. I will not submit to this. This is what the word says. And he goes right back to truth and and yeah. sticks with the truth and speaks truth back to, to the enemy. But I think it's just important for us to recognize, you know, we, we think, Jesus was, we have a tendency to think in his perfection, he was never tempted, but he was a man and he was tempted, but he didn't give in to the temptation. And there's a, there's a huge difference there, I think. So the next one in John chapter two, kind of jumping all over the place here today, but there were so many things to choose from here on these, on these things, but this is what I was looking for the most. John 2, 23 through 25, through the end of the chapter. While Jesus was at the Passover feast, the number of his followers began to grow, and many gave their allegiance to him because of all the miraculous signs they'd seen him doing. But Jesus did not yet entrust himself to them because he knew how fickle human hearts can be. He didn't need anyone to tell him about human nature, for he fully understood what man was capable of doing. So the distraction there was the distraction of fickle humanity. So Jesus was surrounded by humanity, surrounded by people who could say yes one moment and no the next, and pushing for one thing and then not coming through. And so he understood that. And how did he understand that? Because he was also fully man. He understood the temptation. He understood our our temptations, he understood our our tendency to get distracted, to forget what we were really starting off with. And so because he didn't trust them, he didn't entrust himself, it says here in the Passion Translation, he didn't yet entrust himself to them because he knew how fickle human hearts can be. And so, again, I think it's because he knew from his the human, his humanity, his full humanity, he understood how much the, the heart can change and, and turn. And so he didn't allow himself to get 
drawn in to what they were asking of him and what they were speaking to him because he knew that they would um, they could easily turn and I didn't include this verse, but obviously the Easter passage, you know, when there's at, when he's entering Jerusalem for the final time and the crowd is shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. What are they shouting a few days later? Crucify, crucify him, crucify him. So Jesus understood. He knew that instead of being led astray, instead of being distracted for what by what he's hearing now, he recognizes that the that man is capable of switching sides, not fair calling, not following through with what he says. And so it definitely was a case in the Hosanna become crucify him in in that last in the what we call Holy Week. Yeah. So Jesus is as he's on this journey, on this mission, and he's got this first commitment to complete the mission, the road to Jerusalem to the, for the final time is filled with distractions. I th- there are so many more that we could cho- choose here, but I've just picked out four this morning. And so these are, these are things that are constantly tugging at his human heart. The well-meaning family, the overprotective close friends, and also fickle humanity. Then if we look over in John chapter 6, and this is this is one passage. I'd, I'd like to read this, this passage. Six, chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the lake of Tiberias, which is also known as Lake Galilee. And a massive crowd of people followed him everywhere. They were attracted by his miracles and the healings they watched him perform. Jesus went up the slope of a hill and sat down with his disciples. Now it was approaching the time of the Jewish celebration of Passover, and there were many pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem in the crowd. As Jesus sat down, he looked out and saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip and said, Where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Now, Jesus already knew what he was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. Philip answered, well, I suppose if we were to give everyone a snack, it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. But just then, Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up and said, look, here's a young person with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far would that go with this huge crowd? Have everyone sit down, Jesus said to his disciples. So on the vast grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and gave thanks to God. He then gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Miraculously, the food multiplied with everyone eating as much as they wanted. When everyone was satisfied, Jesus told his disciples, now go back and gather up the pieces left over so that nothing will be wasted. The disciples filled up 12 baskets of fragments, a basket of leftovers for each disciple. All the people were astounded as they saw with their own eyes the incredible miracle Jesus had performed. They began to say among themselves, he really is the one, the true prophet we've been expecting. So Jesus, knowing that they were about to take him and make him their king by force, quickly left and went up the mountainside alone. So here is a fourth distraction to look at this morning. is the distraction of overzealous humanity. 
They watch this, they get all excited. It doesn't take much these days to get people excited. We have all the, the online things that we, I mean, how many times have you heard something went viral? I mean, like over, like in, in seconds, things go viral and it's global and, and on and on and on. So sometimes we just get overzealous and Jesus recognized that and you could see it coming. People were, you know, the, the, the noise was beginning to get generated and he saw what was about to happen. And they were thrilled with the power that was being manifested in front of them and this, the miracle of feeding all these people and, and all of that. And so because he saw that and they were about to take him and make him king by force, you know, grabbing hold of him, probably putting him up on shoulders and shouting and whatever they were going to do. And so he quickly left and went up the mountain alone. So in the midst of their shouting and laughing and joking and having a great celebration here, going about to make Jesus king, Jesus leaves. And in the excitement, they don't even realize he's left kind of. So overzealous humanity. And so as, as Jesus is dedicated to this mission, he knows what the Father has asked him to do, this mission of love to invite people to the Father's heart. He goes through incredible testing. He has to wade through his own humanity, uh, through all the distractions that are there that would be might similarly happen to us as well. And to decide that, no, I can't, I can't compromise on these things because they will take me away from my mission. They'll take me away from what my goal is. And I mentioned in a note uh, about the, the runners, the relay runners in the Olympics. And, you know, it's, a, you know, I, I kind of got into it. I kept watching several different segments of them doing this. And, you know, the cameras would do the really close up on these faces. And it's, it's incredible the intensity that you see on their faces and the, the way their, their bodies are, are set and ready to run. And, and I, I got really taken by the handoffs, the, the baton from one to the other. I mean, that was, that was really an amazing thing to watch. But I think Jesus was like that also on his journey. And at the same time, the thing that is really exciting to watch about this as you read scripture is that Jesus was never in a hurry. He was never overwhelmed. He was never running from place to place. He got tired, but he was never in a rush. He was never like, and he never got impatient because people weren't moving fast enough or these things weren't happening. It was always at the very normal pace, you never hear of him rushing or getting exasperated necessarily on how fast things are going or how slowly things are going. Did get exasperated sometimes with the disciples, but their slowness. But on the mission, he he knew what he had to do and he just kept doing it. And he avoided he avoided falling into the temptation of these distractions. And so I think that's what they really are. Distractions are a temptation to do something other than what people call to do. Being distracted is one thing, but allowing them to follow through and, and really keep us from the mission is a separate thing. So it was a temptation, but Jesus didn't fall into them. And he 
He delivered himself from these by actually leaving or by saying, nope, we're not doing that. And or with the enemy using the scriptures to, to say, no, that is, that is not going to happen. That's not working. So this, this journey of discipleship that we're on, we, we follow, I think we've been asked to follow Jesus' example, how he lived out his mission, how he lived out his humanity. And it's important for us to recognize that, that it's, he was fully human and fully God. And so that when we think, well, you know, we might be tempted ourselves to think, well, Jesus couldn't possibly understand because, you know, I mean, he was fully God. So, I mean, how hard could it really have been? But yet part of the mystery is he was fully God and fully man. And I put at the bottom of the page here this this passage out of Hebrews 4, and this is out of the message, just so it has a little different wording. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Mm, and so the, there's. it's hard to hold these things in tension. He was fully God, and yet he had to deal with everything that humanity deals with as well. And so one of the temptations, obviously, is to beware of distractions as you're going about your work. And so I think it's important for us to recognize that distractions come to us as well. When we want, we want to live out our Christianity, we want to follow Jesus, we want to get closer to the Father's heart. There are so many things that distract us that keep us from doing what we know we're supposed to be doing. We have a we have a conviction in our hearts that this is what we're to do. But boy, there are so many things that can keep us away from that. And and so it's important for us to recognize that this is what Jesus did, that he was constantly aware and being aware of distractions that could come so that he could accomplish this mission. We have a mission to accomplish as well. And um, and even even though some people have just celebrated advanced birthdays, I've been reminded that there's still journey left to happen. And so, you know, it's also being aware of distractions as you get older as well and not use that as an excuse that I can no longer do that. So let me pray for us and let's let's share some of the, the things maybe we've experienced or how how getting focused on what the Lord is asking us to do um, has, has been working, how maybe how it hasn't been working, how it's been really difficult. So let me pray for us and then we'll share together. So Father, thank you for the example that Jesus set for us. Thank you that he knew temptation. Thank you that those, the things that distract us, that get us off track, that cause us to want to just sit down and, and abandon the mission, that he understood that. He knew those temptations, and yet he was without sin in all of those. So thank you for this perfect example that is set before us. Thank you that his journey is to be copied by us that you are asking the same things of us to lay down our lives and to, to be for other people before we are for ourselves. So thank you for your provision for this journey. Yes. Thank you for reminders. Thank you for your spirit that it's constantly speaking your word, reminding us what the truth is. Thank you that we don't have to be like Pilate asking and 
complete confusion. What is truth? We know truth. We know who the truth is. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for scriptures that constantly remind us, constantly speak to us. So we bless you this morning, this day, for what you're doing in us, what you want to accomplish through us. Could we have the same commitment that Jesus had as he went about his journey to Jerusalem? And we thank you for your faithfulness to us in all seasons. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Amen.